movies and games, technology too. It's Marcus talking nerdy to you. Some other musical stuff. To the surprise of no one who listens to this podcast, I went out and bought a new fancy PlayStation VR 2 headset. I've owned it for about a month now, so I'm just going to give a quick overview of my impressions with it. So the way I'm going to structure this is uh, just a pro section, a con section, and just some closing thoughts. One thing I'm not really going to go into is the games, unless it particularly relates to certain features or points that I'm going to talk about. Though just for the record, half the reason I bought it was for Firewall Ultra. I'm also going to make points comparing this new headset to the original version on the PS4. So first things first, especially in relation to the original one, is the new tracking system. This headset uses what's called inside-out tracking. So instead of on the PS4 version, where there was one camera that would look out and find the headset and the controllers, this one has sensors on the headset itself that would track the room that you're standing in, and the controllers. It mitigates the problems with uh, single camera tracking like the PS4 version had, where you would, where the game would lose either your headset or your controllers in the space. And yeah, on that front, the tracking is worlds better. It's, it's amazing because not only, not only does it allow for better tracking and you don't have that same loss of controllers where your, your hand just like floats away or something like that or your arm completely breaks in the game, but it also allows for room scale. It's really just that next level of gameplay possibility. Because in the first version, you have to pretty much kind of stand still. You couldn't really move your feet at all. If you did, then you would be outside of where the camera could track you. Whereas this one allows you to be walking around in a space. As long as you've got the physical space to walk around in, then you can walk around in it. And as someone who's demoed VR to a lot of people, the first thing that people want to do is walk around in the space. If their brain gets tricked to thinking that they're standing in a new space, then they're going to want to explore it. And now you can actually do that. Whereas before, I'd have to stop people from moving around. Uh, the next point is the controllers. So thank God it would have been enough to have inside-out track controllers with analog sticks, something like maybe like the Quest has or something like that. But these new Sense controllers are pretty awesome because they have the features that I loved from the PS5 DualSense controller, but in independent VR controllers for each hand. So it's got the adaptive triggers, the great haptic feedback, that little uh, cherry on top of the PlayStation symbols being used as as the grip. Another kind of underrated feature of the controllers is that they, are capa- they have capacitive buttons. So all the buttons, even the thumbstick and the grip button on the side, it can tell if you're... If you're touching it, not just pushing the button, but just having your fingers resting on them. Different games take advantage of this differently. One of my favorite examples is Res- is in Resident Evil 8. There's multiple different control schemes in Resident Evil so that you can tell the game that you want to hold an object that you're grabbing at. One of the settings is called the touch setting. So instead of holding a button down, as long as you're holding this item, as long as your fingers are just touching where they would naturally be touching if you were holding that object. If you were to open your hand, you would drop the object. If you're holding a gun, for example, the game can tell if your finger is on the trigger or not. It's, it's, it's effectively doubling the amount of uh, buttons you have, too. Um, another big feature that this headset has is eye tracking. So they use that in a couple of ways. It can be used in sort of a nerdy way. We've talked about foveated rendering before, where the game can tell where you're looking and kind of focus the processing power on that, whereas the things in your peripheral vision don't need to be as pretty. 
so they can focus all of the processing power on what you're actually looking at and make that look really nice. Since they also know where you're looking, games can take advantage of that. So like Res Infinite, for example, on the PS4, you would have to use the analog stick to tell the game where you're, what you're aiming at. Whereas in the PS5 version of Res Infinite, you can just look at it. It cuts down that time of like what you're thinking to what you want to happen on the screen. And it's just very cool. My scores went up exponentially on that game. And if you think about it, it's a lot more of a natural thing, especially for people who don't play video games, to just look at what you want to shoot and then just push a button to shoot it. Or, you know, the person you want to talk to or the thing you want to interact with. You know, you don't have to solve all your problems with violence, Marcus. Another great feature about this new headset that I don't really hear a lot of people talking about is the the light blocking ability. It has a new rubber shade, silicone shade around the visor that really blocks out the light. So on the on the PSVR 1, um, you could kind of, if you look down at your nose, you could see the floor. Um, whereas this one wraps around your complete vision and completely blacks you out. So it's, it's a little bit, it's a bit more immersive that way. Um, the headset itself vibrates. Originally, when I originally talked about this, I didn't think if it was a simple vibration that it would be really add much, but it actually kind of does. And different games use it to different effect. Like in Gran Turismo, if you collide with a wall, it'll vibrate the headset or like, uh, in Tetris effect, when you change a level, it will kind of use this effect along with along with the controllers and everything to kind of give this sensation of a rush to a new level or like in resident evil 8 when you shoot the shotgun it really kicks back on both the controllers and the headset to make you feel like oh this thing's got some weight to it i really loved the setup it was very intuitive and and really well done um i love that it's a single cable which is pretty large. You know, you no longer have that processor box that you have to deal with. You know, there's a dedicated USB-C in the front of the PlayStation for it. It's a lot easier to get in and out of VR. And then the play space setup was really cool. It's a, it's kind of the same thing that you do on other, on PC setups where you, you use the controllers to draw an area around. But since it has, since it, again, since it has the cameras on the front, it can see your play space and there's a pass through function, which is also incredibly helpful. And I, I love having that. So you don't have to take the headset off to see around you. You just push the button on the bottom and it gives a, it uses the cameras to let you see around you. I mean, it's good enough to even like check if I have like a message on my phone or anything like that or, or find the, the TV remote and up the volume or things like that helps you find your controllers. Or if you're one of those people who actually has friends or children who actually need something from you outside of the game and the resolution is, is good enough to do most things. I mean, I couldn't, for example, like sit there and, and, and be on my phone like as if I didn't have the headset on. It's not in color or anything either, but it's it's good enough to you know grab grab a drink or or grab the remote or I actually use it to adjust my steering wheel and my pedals uh, without having to take the headset off, which is really nice and plug things in. The pass through camera is a really underrated feature. It's something I appreciate a lot. Again, kind of going with the ease of setup is if you just put on or take off the headset and you're in a game, that can be enough information for it to uh, just deactivate or reactivate the VR mode which is really nice. I know a lot of games on the PS4 that had a different version, you'd have to either like close the game or go back to the main menu to swap modes. So that's kind of cool. The IPD slider is nice to have because uh, not everybody has the same type of face. So that's, that's, that's always a welcome feature. Though I do wish it worked similar to how it works on my Reverb G2, where as you're adjusting it, it shows a number that you're adjusting it to so that, you know, if you're showing it to multiple people, you can reset it to where you need it. But that can be patched in software in the future. 
And then also with the setup, with the, with the play space setup is the, uh, the guardian system is, is nice to have. You know, it lets you know when you're approaching your, your play boundaries and you can change the settings on that too. You can set the floor height, uh, in case that's, in case it's not reading that correctly. Of course, it uses the little PlayStation symbol motif to show you your play space area. And the other thing about the pass-through camera is you can also kind of use it to determine if your play space has enough light for the system to work. I like that you can set up different play areas too. So if like you take it to someone else's house or you got a different different room, you're going to set it up in. Another smart thing about the software they had is a, I think it kind of should be on by default, but because some people might not know about it, but there's a setting that makes your TV display a lot smaller and a lot dimmer so that it doesn't confuse the tracking system because the TV is obviously a super bright light source that might overwhelm the sensors. So there's a thing that there's a little border that it will put around your TV TV feed that shows people what you're looking at, this, what, what they call it a social feed, I think, on the, the original one, so that the camera doesn't get confused for any reason by the, the TV itself. A really, really big thing for me is the increased field of view and the new display. For reference, I also own the HP Reverb G2, and it is, it's not quite as clear as that, but compared to the first PSVR, it's an amazing difference. Just the resolution increase, the field of view increase, which is how much of the game that you can see when you get inside there and less of a ski mask or a periscope effect. It's really, it's a lot easier to get lost into a into a VR game. I know that we could do a drinking game. How many times I'm going to say the word immersion, but it is, it is, it really does help with immersion. And this is kind of a general thing, but um, just kind of on the software side, being kind of a side effect of being on the PS five is how fast the interface is and how fast things load. Like for example, playing Gran Turismo, if you have to like reset the track or go into the settings or whatever and, and restart the level, it's so quick and <laughs> Again, it leads back to immersion. Loading screens are kind of even worse in VR in a way because, you know, you're used to seeing, you're used to being around this 3D space and then suddenly you're taken off to this, this black screen with like maybe like an icon or some text that's right in front of you and it makes you very aware that you're in VR. And so the more you can eliminate loading screens, the better VR experience you're going to have. And again, it's just kind of a byproduct of being on the PS5, but the interface is really nice. And having analog sticks to navigate it is, is a big world of difference from the first version. So with that being said, uh, let's get into the cons. So kind of the big con, and I won't be the first to mention this. Well, there's actually two. They're kind of related, is that the fit... I would say is not as good as the PSVR one, at least for my particular head and seems to be a lot of people's heads from what I'm reading. It doesn't seem to stay in place as well as the first version did. And that's something that they really just knocked it out of the park on the first version is the comfort and the fit of it. Now I know this one, the front piece weighs more and maybe that has something to do with it. And they just need to like add more weight to the back to balance it or something. I know I have a friend who uh, modded his to put a different, back piece on it and that seems to keep stay in place for him and sort of related to the fit is the sweet spot so it's it's kind of hard to explain for someone who hasn't used a vr headset before but when you put on a vr headset obviously there's there's a screen in that front part and there's lenses and different lenses and different screens and different setups have a bigger or smaller what they call a sweet spot which is where everything is perfectly in focus and crisp and clear like it's supposed to be and this new headset for whatever reason the combination of lenses or display or 
just the design of it, um, has a smaller sweet spot. So there's a smaller space where that headset sits on the front of your face where everything is in focus. It's related to the fit because if it slides or moves around at all, you kind of lose that sweet spot. You get just a little bit off center. Maybe this metaphor will make sense if somebody's ever sat like in front of a sound system or a speaker and then you kind of move off to the side of it. Or if you have a, if you have a particular type of LCD panel, doesn't have very good off axis viewing where you move to the side and the colors kind of change. Everything gets like perp turns, tends to swing towards like purple or green. It takes a minute to get adjusting to know where that sweet spot is and how to get it. Whereas on the VR one, the sweet spot was a little bigger and that's, that's not really so much of a problem for someone who owns the headset, but if you're trying to just to show it to somebody and they don't know how to adjust it to get that sweet spot, um, they're not going to have that great of an, as great of an experience as they could be having. So it's not a huge deal. And I don't really think they can fix that with the software. It seems like maybe, maybe some hardware revisioning could fix that, but I've, I've also heard some people's impressions online of saying the headset is blurry. And I think that might have a lot to do with some of those reports is they don't know how to get that fit because it, it takes a bit of finagling to know exactly how to wear it to get it. And also if they don't know about like IPD adjustment and stuff, I'm sure that has an effect as well. And the other con, uh, some people have definitely mentioned is the battery life of the controllers. It's not, they're not great. It's not terrible. Um, and, of course, you know, the, the parent in me could make an argument that, oh, you shouldn't be playing VR for that long anyway for them to be dying. But, you know, if you just forget to charge them and then you go to play again, then your playtime is cut really short. A charging dock is almost a necessity with, with the battery life of these. And it does make sense because there's so much tech packed into these controllers. I mean, they're constantly doing vibrations and they're, they have the motors that are uh, activating the triggers and there's all these different buttons and sensors on them. They're emitting infrared so the cameras can track them. I'm not sure if they could really do any more with the batteries that they could, unless they could maybe find higher capacity batteries in the same form factor. Um, but then that would, of course, increase the price. And that's, that's the thing is the, that's the thing that everybody has to kind of remember is again, with the PSVR one, it was even more obvious, but Sony has to be very price conscious with these, with these devices. And especially because you have to buy the console already and then buy the headset. I think for what target they hit, what price range they hit, they really did a great job. Uh, I mean, there are things that could have been improved that could always be better, but for what they've got, the package they've got, it's pretty stellar in my opinion. So I mentioned the light blocking ability as a positive thing, and it is a positive thing unless you're the kind of person who really likes to do things IRL while you're in VR. Like I know a lot of people like to smoke or eat or whatever while they're, while they're playing. And that's not as easy to do with that light blocking. I mean, you do have the, the inside out camera, like I was saying, but the thing sits so close to your face, especially if you want to maximize the FOV, the field of view that you don't really have the same. I don't know, face accessibility as you did with the original headset. But I guess that depends on your use case. For me, it's a net positive, but just something to note. And now just kind of for some closing thoughts. Now, obviously I'm not a software developer, but I would think that there might be some way to mitigate that sweet spot and fit area. There, there, there kind of is already in the, in the software, but it doesn't do it every time. It only seems to do it once when you set it up of using the eye tracking to kind of making sure that you are in that area where the eye tracking works and finding that sweet spot where everything is in focus. I think they could kind of do that. Any, anytime you put it on, it can make sure that you're in the right sweet spot. 
Um, and then maybe that could be something that you disable, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's enabled by default. I think that could be pretty helpful in sort of mitigating that issue. Just, just aesthetically, I love the design of it. It's great that it matches design language that they've got for the PS5. The cinematic mode works a bit better than it did on the PS4 version. You don't have as much swimming because of the resolution of the headset. It's not as much of a big deal as it was on the PS4, but like navigating the menu works a lot better on this than navigating the PS4 menu did on the PSVR one. I kind of do wish that there was a different interface that was made for VR. I could take advantage of that, but that's probably not going to happen. There's a lot of really cool tech in this headset that I hope a lot of developers take advantage of. I completely understand why they can't just port over a bunch of PS4 VR games into PS5 because the tracking system is fundamentally different. Uh, but I would like to see some more ports like uh, Rush of Blood or Astrobot Rescue Mission, of course. I do wonder if they're ever going to port Dreams over to PS5 and thus PSVR 2. Uh, I could see them doing it, and I could see them not doing it. So I'll just have to see which way they go, if they go that way. Or some ones that I know probably won't ever happen, like Bound or Wayward Sky. Just inherently from having an analog stick without even getting into all the other stuff, would make a lot of these games a lot better to play because there's a lot of great games that some people missed out on. It would be cool if they could port Skyrim to it, but uh, with the uh, Microsoft acquisition that we talked about in another episode, I'm not quite sure if that's going to happen. I know Sony acquired a new studio last year that's worked on the Persistence for PSVR 1, so I'm interested to see if they're going to develop a new VR game. And of course, whatever Team Asobi might be working on, a lot of people suspect they might be doing an Astrobot, an Astrobot follow-up. I might be in the minority here, but I'd also like to see a lot more uh, cinematic type of experiences. Uh, Batman would be a good port as well. Yeah, I actually have more VR games than Pancake games on PS4. Like I went, I went pretty crazy on that, and I would do that again if uh, the quality games show up on here. Everybody's asking for Half-Life Alex. I'm not sure how possible that is, but it would be nice to see. And of course, the other elephant is in the room is uh, PC compatibility. If someone can manage to crack that, that would be fantastic. Uh, because my reverb stopped working for some reason. A lot of people were wondering if they were going to come out with a successor to the AIM controller. It doesn't look very likely. After playing the Resident Evil 8 shooting range, I think there's a lot of interesting things that they did there, and it won't really feel... I think they can do a pretty good job with it. It just comes down to how they implement the software. Like, I've played other games on PC VR that use two hands, two independent hands to control a, a long gun, and it didn't feel really as, it didn't feel nearly as good as Resident Evil 8 did it. So I think you can do a pretty good job with the sense controllers. It just comes down to implementation. So I'm really excited to see how they do it in Firewall. You know, Blood and Truth, of course, um, Kingdom Hearts VR and please expand it. Please make a new one. That would be amazing. I don't think Sony would go for it, but if they could somehow port VR chat into PSVR 2, that would be, that would be fantastic and really expand the player base a lot. Of course, as always, I have to mention PlayStation Home, but, you know, that's a pipe dream. Anyway, I think that's enough reality for me. I'm going to go back to my virtual reality. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Movies and games, technology too, it's Marcus talking. Some other musical stuff. Do you enjoy the show and want to help it grow? Don't hesitate. Like, share, and donate.